0: Welcome back to KSL. I'm your guest co-host, Morgan Lioncotti here with...
1: Uh, Jason Perry, Hinckley Institute of Politics.
0: We're so glad to have all of you listening, and we're going to keep talking about sports. We have Amy Donaldson, reporter with the Deseret News with us. How are you, Amy? I'm great. How are you guys? We're great. So we just spoke with Kyle Brennan from the University of Utah about some of the changes that have happened, and we know you've done a lot of reporting about this. And one of your recent stories, you reported that teams are going to be able to play, but it's going to look a little different. Tell us about what you learned. (laughs) Well, I learned that they, I mean, they do know, it, it would be an exaggeration to say they don't know at all how it will look, but it's safe to say that it will look very differently from school to school and from district to district. Because at the end of the day, it's the specific program, the specific school, and the specific district that have to come up with a plan Of how they're going to play and then they have to share those plans with the other principals or other schools in their region and they have to you know everyone has to be okay with it so you're going to have um the first tryouts i believe are july or yeah july 20th is for golf uh boys golf is this fall and then first competition will be on the 27th and then i believe the uhsa's board of trustees is going to meet again on the 29th or shortly you know a day or two after And sort of go over, okay, how did tryouts go? How did competition go? Because right now you have voluntary workouts similar to what you have at the college level. And those are really just overseen by the school. And they're in charge of, you know, setting out what the guidelines are and following them. And uh, we've already had positive cases. But at this point, if you cancel something, you're canceling a workout. You're not canceling a game against a different school that you may be traveling a couple of hours to play at. So it's it's a really complicated uh, puzzle. And it's going to be a work in progress every single day for as long as we're dealing with coronavirus.
1: Well, Amy, I love how you really get into the details, and you kind of break it down throughout uh, the the various districts in the state and where these teams are playing. Can you give us an idea about kind of how how these how sports will address the hot spots that pop up in certain places? I mean, how are we, how how are the plans going forward when you have uh, a desire for everyone to be treated equally, all have equal opportunity to prepare and to play, but you may have some of these hot spots? You know, where are those hot spots? How are those going to be addressed? Well, I
0: think one of the things there. That- the UHSA has been encouraging for the last couple of years is regional play. So you would play closer to home. Um, I mean, that's difficult when your home is, you know, Blanding, Utah, or Monticello, Utah, right? Um, so there's two or three schools close to you, and then you're traveling at least an hour or, or sometimes four hours. To play the other teams in your that are your size because that's the other thing, you don't want to have a 1A school playing a 5A school, um, you know. Because especially in something like football, basketball, we have it all the time, volleyball, it also happens all the time. But um, you know, I think they're kind of encouraging regional competition, it's less travel, it's less time out of class. Um, accidents are less likely to happen. There's a lot of good things about not traveling as much. So it's kind of nice that they had already kind of been emphasizing that and, and they moved to a different postseason uh, process so that they could accommodate regional play. And, and so they'll, that will be even more emphasized. So say you have, um, the Salt Lake schools, maybe they wouldn't be, some of them, you know, a judge would not be normally in West and East and Um, where you have in in those four schools and felt like you have three different classifications. Maybe they wouldn't normally play one another, but now they will, and they'll choose to play some of the schools in West Valley. Um, It just depends on who's willing to play, who's willing to come to your school, or if you can go to their school. There are teams that are thinking that they don't want to have any road games, and they are thinking teams thinking that road games would be uh, a good, you know, to mix in. Um, everybody wants home games because that's how you make money. But there's also the issue of uh, how do you keep track of the fans who come to your game? If you've been to a high school football game, which I assume both of you have, like it's a free for all. You pay your six or eight bucks to go into the game and, you know, who knows what happens to you. You're just in a mass of humanity. Now you're going to probably have an assigned seat or at least an assigned section. Some of those, some people are talking about color coded benches, Uh, The Brighton Principal is talking about an online ticketing program where you have to put in your name and address so that if, and and, and sit in your seat so that if something happens in that section, then the health department will be able to contact all those people. It's just, it's a much more complicated process. Can you have cheerleaders? Does cheerleaders add to it? Do you take three or four buses where you used to take two buses? Um, And then the real issue is what happens? The week of comp- – say we get through all the preseason and we are, we're ready for Friday night lights, right? Um, I think it's – you know, it's like – it's not that far away. It's like four yeah. weeks away, um, mid to late August. And um, Tuesday, you know, Harriman and East are supposed to play. And Tuesday, a uh, kid at Harriman gets a positive test um, because his dad's an airline pilot. It doesn't necessarily come from foot, the sports, but the kid has now been exposed and he's been practicing. Do you shut down your game? Do you isolate that kid? um do you tell your competition all of these things are things that they have to work out and i keep saying i'm supportive of going forward but the devil is in the details and until you nail down some details about what happens if you have a positive case how is it handled and can that be uniformly handled because right now every school has had, you have this schools in the same district handling positive cases amongst their uh student athletes very differently
1: Wow, you, you identified a lot of the devil in the details things that oh, kind of have to that be worked out through this. Uh, wow, that was a long list. I was trying to keep track of them, uh, and uh, that well, is a one, lot for – I
0: think one of the – sorry not to interrupt you, Jason, but that's what I do best. But one thing I was thinking was, like, um, you know, just take one issue at a time and deal. So, like, let's just look at busing. Do you have to be social distance on a bus? Is a mask good enough on a bus? Um, if you're – if these kids are going to be playing in a game – do you limit other activities for them? Do you say, you know, you can't go to dances, you can't go to other sporting events, or um, try not to go to the lake with your friends? You know, they're, they're those, just as a coach, like do you kind of try to mitigate or minimize exposure? Because frankly, you're gonna have these same conversations about classrooms. If a kid in chemistry tests positive, what are you, who, who do you test? Who do you send home? Who gets quarantined? What happens to the teacher? Um, what happens to the class? I mean, it's um, it, it's a really complicated thing. And I always say don't don't just give up on something because it's hard. I think this is definitely an issue worth undertaking. I mean, one of the things I talked to a couple of parents about last night at that protest uh, in Salt Lake was, um, you know, the kids who are were sort of being told they were not going to have school and they're not going to have competition, they're going to miss out on educational opportunities that come through athletics, you know, uh, opportunities. So colleges want kids to come play sports. They give them an athletic scholarship. Those are opportunities that a lot of kids, one mom there has two kids in college. They wouldn't be in college if they didn't have athletic scholarships. So you're going to tell kids who are already disproportionately impacted by the virus that now you're going to be even more impacted and more long-term, like your life is going to be impacted because Um, you're not going to be able to go to school and get the education that some of the other kids are, and you're not going to have the athletic and scholarship opportunities that some of these kids have. I mean,
1: it's,
0: it's not just about having a good time.
1: That is such a great point. It was clear from those, from some of those students, that football wasn't uh, wasn't a hobby, it wasn't just their hobby. For many, of this was a way that they actually do get to college. Maybe on that that same line, uh, just take a moment because the governor said today in his press conference that he uh, is going to adjust uh, those orange guidelines, and he said specifically tomorrow. I think he said by five or something like that, we would be seeing some adjustments as it relates to athletics. Are you hearing any rumors about what those changes might be?
0: Well, they're basically going to, so right now under Orange, you can't have a gathering of more than 10 people. So I think what you'll see is uh, you can have, um, you know, practices that, that take precautions. What those precautions will be, you know, whether or not you have to break your football team that's 100 kids. I think I think the East coach said he had 120 kids or something. If you had to break that up into to 20 kids at a time. So one coach works with 20 kids. Um, you know, they can do that. They have volunteer coaches they have the ability to do that but at the end of the day maybe you're gonna to have to start separating um, sophomore from freshmen and varsity right because mm-hmm. that's another thing if they if they keep them more separate if you do have an issue you don't have to quarantine your entire team and so I think those are gonna be some of the guidelines like how many kids can be together and can they compete with kids who are living in other you know if you're in a green zone can you play a team that's in a red zone, right? Or can the red team, come, red zone team come to you? And like one coach who's coaching in a, in a community where they've had one case, he said, you know, he doesn't want to go to a hot zone. He doesn't want to go to where there's an outbreak. Um, you know, I mean, I understand that, but then do you just have, you create a different inequity if the kids who live in just happen to be lucky enough to live in an area that's, hasn't been impacted playing against those kids and not playing the kids and you know i don't know but but maybe it makes sense that if you're already exposed you're playing kids who are already exposed i don't know
1: well these are great points i hope they're able to get some of these uh, uh cleared up at least or at least some guidelines uh what the governor puts this out tomorrow amy you're a great reporter i love how you get into the details it's much appreciated thanks for being with us
0: thank you for having me
1: All right, stick around. When we come back after the break, Derek Brown, the chair of the Utah Republican Party.